0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode six of the STI podcast. This time it's me and Johanna, and we have a guest, Arturi. So, well, let's go directly to to that. Arturi, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do?
1: Well, uh, I'm a guy. I'm an amateur game designer. I've made a bunch of uh, tabletop RPGs over the years, none of which have been published because they've been crap. Mm -hmm. And... uh, i've got i don't know years of stuff making uh community levels for the arma series for bohemia interactive and lately expanding to a bunch of other games like One, which johanna worked on mm-hmm. yeah
0: okay so you do also or you did at least board games or on top of video games
1: Yeah, tabletop role playing games mostly. I've I've done a couple of board games, but my main focus has always been on the role playing side.
0: Okay, so it's just normal RPGs. Okay, interesting. Well we can go there a little bit then why not? Yeah. Yeah, so what well then we are here, so which is your favorite RPG or tabletop RPG? Tables of RPG,
1: oh shit, that's that's a tough starter. Um,
0: yeah, it's it's a non non serious one, so you. Okay. <laughs> no I can, pressure.
2: Yeah. I can go with a very quick answer. Uh, yeah, go. Because I play the most Dungeons and Dragons. That's easy. It's easy. Actually, it's <laughs> not the best, but that's what I've played the most. Okay. Okay. Next. Yeah, in,
1: in that vein, I I prefer Dungeon World to Dungeons and Dragons because it's got. Basically the same experience with far fewer rules. Okay, so, um, well, well, GM Dungeons & Dragons session is going to be more on a, on the sort of tactical combat side, which Dungeon World doesn't do, but for the high fantasy adventuring, Dungeon World basically beats D&D any
0: day in my book. Hmm, okay, so it's more like uh, playing the RPG more than rolling dice and do the combat
1: yeah yeah i think uh there's these basically dungeons and dragons and dungeon world occupy two completely different styles of rule sets for rpgs dungeons and dragons i feel attempts a sort of a systemic uh simulation of how the world works while dungeon world focuses its rules on making sure the story works properly
2: Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. I agree here, and and usually many times uh, when when we play Dungeon Dragons or when one plays Dungeon Dragons, it's uh, especially if if you play with a mat and miniatures, it goes very easily to um, a very tactical and, and sort of logical type of adventure where you try to minimize and maximize min max your sort of your output so you can so you always use your abilities to the to the maximum uh, sort of efficiency and sometimes you even forget that you're actually in a, a three-dimensional world because you play on a two-dimensional map so it yeah is. dungeon dragons sometimes okay. is a lot closer to a board game dungeon growing board game than mm. an actual role playing game
0: well for me at least i played not that much dnd uh we never played with any uh basically combat rules we never did that we just played the role playing times and the combat was kind of uh, in the background when it happens. So, or okay, the DM decides to throw these dices. Let's see if it's good enough kind of situation. Yeah. We never really go deep in the combat because, at least for me, it's uh, the RPG, it's, it's, it's a story, the point, or the world and the speaking, the interaction, the combat you can play any kind of yeah. board games.
1: Yeah, that's 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 my preference for RPGs as well, which is why I generally don't like Dungeons and Dragons because most of the actual working mechanics are in the combat bit, which does sort of automatically focus the game to the go- combat side. There are, you know, very very few rules that actually work outside of the combat thing and uh. they're basically ancillary roll a d20 adder thing and see if you succeeded or not. And yeah. they
2: are usually so horrible that everyone actually just uh, bypasses them and sort of GM just says, well, yeah, sure, whatever. For example, <laughs> the, the weight limit, uh, which is almost, I don't know if anyone actually even uses it because it's, it's very stupid okay. and it's sort of- they do not know has,
0: that it uh, existed, so. Sorry? I didn't know that that the weight limit was there. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: My favorite example of that was I think in 3 point something D&D it was possible to make uh, to have a bard with a high charisma and uh, the bard had a spell called glibness I think which added something ridiculous like plus 20 or plus 30 to your bluff checks. And uh, Within the rules as written, a bluff check against a completely impossible to believe lie was uh, something like uh, difficulty 30 or something. Which meant with a properly built bard, you could have a basically more than 50% chance of succeeding in telling any sort of bullshit with no contact to reality whatsoever and as as the rules rules as written everyone should believe you because that's how the rules were yeah so in theory you could walk up walk up to like a king and go get get off you're an imposter and uh, <laughs> probably most most people in the room would believe you and the funny thing is so would the king
2: and i i think actually at least according to this uh the Americans are probably playing with three point five. They have a bar for <laughs> hikers mainly, right? Now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say about D and D, it's. I really enjoy sort of both both of these types of uh, RPGs. The one where you go really deep into the character and you basically don't have any rules. Sort of the, it's it's uh, closer to an um, theatrical play than sort of gameplay, and those are very enjoyable but they're also very heavy on you because you sort of have to be so so deep in in the character but then uh, dungeon dragons is so much closer to well basically just gameplay where you actually have um, your your board game character in this sense is is something that you're slightly more invested in than when you compare it to I don't know if you play doom with a just random doom marine or whatever they're called um, so, so yeah, for for me, the Dungeons and Dragons experience is 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 a uh, it's basically playing board game with a character that's somehow
0: interesting. Yeah. So, do because do you think uh, this kind of uh, <laughs> difference in the rules, uh, because D is one of well, say the most famous. Do yeah, you think it so. became famous uh, because of the rules that it's easier to follow in in a way? or because it was the only one, or because people played because of the world they built and they don't care about the rules, so Mm, both of you, what do you think?
1: D&D probably got big and, uh, you know, popular because it was one of the first, like, Mm. uh, literally basically created the genre, so that's quite a hefty head start on everything else. Yeah. And, you know, these days it's it's got the name recognition. You mentioned tabletop RPGs and most people will probably have some sort of an idea. You mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. Everyone has an opinion on what that
2: is. Yeah.
0: So it's basically you're the first
2: and uh, you are the biggest in this case. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh... I mean it's it's all thanks to Dungeon Dragons that we have so many good games. Uh, well not necessarily all thanks to because they could have been there always could have been something else, but um since it is now lots of lots and lots of uh, for example fantasy literature actually comes from from people who have just played RPGs and not necessarily from just copying uh JR talking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they created them during the, some play. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah either for uh, earlier versions of D and D, or or for uh, GU RPS or some other engine.
1: Yeah, okay. the uh, World of Darkness games are also very popular. As well, vampire and all all of those things have generated huge amounts of like literature,
0: literature and games outside the RPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. based on the, well, not on the rules, but. Probably on the world of the RPG.
1: Yeah, I'm not actually... Yeah, I think World of Darkness rules are generally more on the storytelling side. I have no idea how the tabletop game rules map to the, for example, Vampire the Masquerade RPG rules. But probably, yeah, the fluff and story mostly.
0: So. Yeah, it's probably the... since in the old times now it's not like that anymore but D&D was translated pretty well to video games. I mean you had Neverwinter Night, Baldur's Gate and all of those big names in the, old, in the past that basically translated the rules directly to a video game and it was working quite well.
2: And yeah actually uh, there's an interesting thing when you compare 3.5 and uh, the newest edition which is 5. Um, 3.5 is a horrible 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 of uh, game because there's millions and, and millions and even billions of um, <laughs> different types of modifiers so if you fight against a certain type of enemy with a certain type of weapon at a certain type of weather with a certain type of I don't know something uh, then you might get plus 2 minus 3 plus 5 minus 4 plus 1 minus 7 and so on and keeping count of all of these is, is, is a horrible task and it's not fun that's not why you play the game even if it's a sort of more tactical game uh, when a computer does this does this it's actually just you know very easy you don't have to do anything the computer can do all of it so okay. it's done behind the scenes and it's more sort of more complex so that's complexity doesn't always lead to better results but in this case i think it's 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 a nice nice way of doing it whereas in uh dungeon records 5 you basically have Minus, uh, plus or minus five uh, on the passive effects, plus your sort of normal uh, proficiency bonus and your skill bonuses, which are always there. So uh, at most, you have three different bonuses of which you always use two. So so you can basically, if you remember two things, you know how many bonuses you get. So it's a lot simpler and uh, a lot easier for tabletop playing. Yeah, and a lot lots quicker, which is,
1: you know, particularly in a Dungeons & Dragons sort of game, which focuses quite heavily on the combat. It can start being quite a drag if you're playing in a group of, like, five different players, and uh, it'll take 35 minutes for you to get back to your turn next time. Because everyone else is calculating their bonuses and maluses and whatever they they can do and movement speeds and all of that, yeah. so you you just end up having people sitting on their uh, phones wait, waiting for them, <laughs> for it to be their turn next time. And
0: that's it's fun. a Excel sheet uh,
2: tabletop. Yeah. yeah. So in this. Sense- it actually does work very well for a computer game because you don't have to. So yeah, um, yeah like you that Never
0: that's quite cool that how the rules they just uh, translated to a different uh, scenario and they they are nice and maybe that's why they changed them in newer editions.
1: And and honestly, I feel like uh, the computer D and D games like B- the Baldur's Gates and Neverwinter Nights they work better than than the tabletop versions not just because of the complexity of the math but also because of the necessary limitations they place on the on the players being able to do a whole bunch of different shit that would be completely bonkers and game breaking in a tabletop context but which has just been left out from the computer game so,
0: so in into being this uh, difference between different rpg rules since you tried at least to do some of yourself so what would you say how do you approach rules like how do you make an rpg like uh, what kind of rules do you need how much uh, Um, rules do you need
1: it, it it depends entirely on what the purpose of the game you're making is like what's the core what what do you want from the game and honestly that can be a very very hard uh, thing to answer, but uh, like my, my current project uh, is a game about being poor, and uh, it's a game about trying to uh, trying to fit into societal standards that are basically impossible for you to fit into because you don't have any money. So that's sort of the core experience. Which I try to go for, and then I just build, you know, mechanics around that stuff that focuses focuses on this central uh, question of how how much do you try to uh, fit the society's norms, even if that's actually literally
0: possibly lethal to you. Hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. On the, as a focus of game. You can, because in a way, uh, tabletop RPGs you can do whatever you want. So yeah, yeah, you could anything. do the same in D and D, to say. But of course, you don't have maybe the proper mechanics to really do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, would be. I mean, it would have to be a very, very limited version because, if, for example, yeah. if you're a mage, uh, then you could very easily imagine that uh, you can be infinitely rich in one way or another.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. A the and d mage, on the other hand, if you play Rules as Written, needs to put money into their, like, the stuff they need for their magics, their components for the magic stuff, which can cost a lot. So yeah. Rules as Written, I think, the latest version of d and you basically need to spend a lot of money on your downtime to cast any actual effective
0: spells. Okay, so it's uh, it's really limited by the rules what, like yeah, what I mean you can do if you don't want to go out of the rules and just the DM decides and then you do it, but then you don't need the rules at that point.
1: Yeah, then you then you don't need the game. The point of the yeah, game is yeah. to focus the experience into what yeah. the game is about and yeah. if you don't want to engage with those rules, then you're probably better off playing something else and if you're making a game where the rules don't actually work to focus the stuff into what the point is then those rules are probably bad
2: yeah yeah yeah. so if you have two strict rules you might not have sort of the optimal experience that you're trying to find because well okay i think it's usually easier to notice when you have two strict rules because then players can't do shit. but if you have two open rules or two allowing rules then might be the case that players don't know sort of what they're supposed to do or what, what, what is a good way to play the game because you can do so many different things and sort of the, you have nothing to lean on
1: yeah, yeah yeah and a huge part of like tabletop rpg design is how you explain the rules to the player uh, what sorts of words do you use and uh, all, all of that shapes the way people think about using the rules it's super complicated and needs a ton of work
0: and i guess you need then uh, quite good testing to see if the game ends up in the situation you want it to end up in a way
2: yeah yeah a lot yeah and it's also rather important that you have different testers because if you have I mean, in the original or in the very first phases, it might not matter that much because the game is taking shape and it might change even drastically. But uh, especially at the later steps, where you have, let's say, I don't know, it's stupid to say this, but let's say 80% of your game is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's a very weird way to say it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a beta test in the game. Yeah. You have a very tight core, and then you're just refining some smaller things. Then it's uh, pretty crucial that you have different, lots of different testers, because once the players um, learn to use, learn to play the game or learn to use the rules, they might not sort of uh, react, I mean, obviously they won't react in the same way as someone who hasn't seen it uh, ever, because they already know, they already know things, so they can sort of assume and they don't have to, even if there's a bad, bad way of explaining the rules, it doesn't affect them because they already know how it works.
1: Yeah, 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 and th- there's yeah. a completely... Like there are those are two completely different testing subject. Basically, there's the mechanics as objective mechanics on how they work. And then there's the instruction manual. Basically, if you're testing for the mechanics and then you're testing for the instruction manual on the mechanics,
0: whether that's well written or not. So that is more of a question of if other people are going to understand basically what you want the game to play like how they should play compared to the mechanics is are the mechanics actually fun
2: yeah and sort of yeah can is there is there is there actually a game is there anything you can play
0: basically yeah yeah and and, uh since we touched on the uh, video game side of rpg i'm gonna ask you this again uh maybe not an easy question like this, but uh, which one is among your favorites? Uh, RPGs, video games? That, video in- game RPGs? Yeah, yeah, any.
1: Uh, I, w- I wish it could be Alpha Protocol because it's... It's incredible, the story and the reactivity and everything you can do and all of the different ways the game reacts to stuff you do. But it's actually such a slog to play, it (laughs) can't possibly be my favorite.
0: Is that Alpha Protocol, the the game that has this uh, Italian-speaking guy that is completely bugged all the time? Not
2: sure,
1: probably not.
2: it's the ancient, a- agent game where you're you're uh, some sort of stealthing game. I haven't played it. So. Ah,
1: OK. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's an agent RPG. Okay. And basically, mm, okay. the stuff you do can be, you know, uh, you're either James Bond or you're Jack Bauer or you are uh, Jason Bourne. Hmm, all of, okay. all, of the, all of the decisions you can make are basically characterized by by Bond, Bauer, and Born, which is beat. pretty cool.
0: Okay, uh, then I never really seen this game much. And is a an RPG like, or is a more action focused? It's
1: it's an action RPG, so it's a okay. You. you you control a single character, you've got you know, experience and character progression, but what actually makes a video game RPG into um, a proper RPG for me is the story and how the story reacts to you, the decisions you make. And in that, it's basically the best one I've ever seen.
0: Mm, okay. Because this uh, also, maybe Johanna, you are also in, into this. Uh, okay. Maybe first, before going on on the discussion, what is for you the best?
2: Um, well, for me, it's it's actually, when I think of RPGs, well, I obviously also think of these action RPGs, but it, it's closer to the D&D games. Um, mm-hmm. I only the, uh, when Arturi wishes that he could say it's Alpha Protocol, I wish I could say it's Baldur's Gate 2, but I haven't played it completely, so I'm not allowed to say it. Okay. It. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to have to go with... a. Uh, A new age uh, version of of that, which was uh, Dragon Age One. That when I played it, um, I I think it was overall it was pretty easy. There were maybe two fights that were difficult, but um, uh, this is this sort of characterizes me as in in the same way that I like Dungeon Dragons because I like playing Dragon Age Origins uh, only for the sort of the mechanical or the mechanics of the combat. Hmm, Really. yeah, I really enjoyed playing on the highest difficulty and sort of basically abusing my spacebar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Spacebar uh, puts it on pause. So
1: Yeah, um, when I tried playing it, uh, I played it on the Xbox, and uh, the tactical combat side was incredibly frustrating to me. I insisted on playing on the highest difficulty because I was an idiot back then. But uh, I, I just sort of gave up after I figured out I wasn't enjoying any of the combat sequences. Every single one was just tons of bad guys appear. And with no sort of, there's no point to any of it. It was just a bunch of trash combats, which was, okay, you move to the next area. That Here are another eight enemies.
2: <laughs> well, for me, that was sort of the most um, mm. enjoyable Was was that basically an, an infinite amount of puzzles, uh, which you're supposed to solve. Because on, on the highest difficulty, they usually are, um, well, some of them are very easy. And you can just basically run through them. But there are lots of uh, difficult combats. Like uh, like I said, maybe two very difficult ones, which I, I think I played them for at least three or four hours, each of those just trying and trying and trying. Um, which might not sound enjoyable to some people, but for me, it's very enjoyable. <laughs> and yeah. then there were those which are, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 or 15 tries, and you finally get it right. Okay, so you're um, more
0: playing yeah. that for the the combat mechanics.
2: Yeah, so like I said, basically uh, uh, playing the game one millisecond at a time.
0: Yeah. yeah. I've
1: I heard the PC version is a... A lot better, a lot manage- more manageable on the tactical side than the console version, which I believe. Yeah, but I saw. So. Ha- have you played uh, Pilots of Eternity?
2: Well, yeah, I have, but uh, not completely yet.
1: Yeah, because uh, I feel that Eternity is basically a continuation of the original Infinite Engine games, like Boulder Skates and Iceman Dales and stuff. And I feel that really hits the spots of enjoyable uh, and uh, challenging tactical combat on the party scale. I I really liked basically all of the tactical combat stuff in the game.
2: Yeah, I think I've actually probably sort of understood the reason why I haven't played it yet. It is It's that um, nowadays I don't really play games for stories anymore. Okay. Uh, I, I sort of, interesting yeah because i i i don't know why but i feel like um when there's a story i want to read it so i i really enjoy reading books so hmm. when i play a long game with story in it i either completely blast through it and not care about the story or i feel like why am i doing this shouldn't i just be reading a book or reading about the story <laughs>
0: And okay, then... that, that's a different approach. I since I don't have too much time to play games, I prefer to games that are story heavy, so I don't need to play eight eight hour on a game and progress very little because the fights were long and complicated. And again, uh, otherwise you just play a game that is focused on the fights.
2: Yeah. Um, so I mean, the sort of the problem here is that I. I, I've heard that, especially from Akpur that uh, Pillars of Eternity has a great story. So I sort of I feel like I don't want to blast through it, but then I start playing it. I mean, I have multiple example of examples of this. I have a whole day when I don't have to do anything and I start playing it, and I sort of start feeling. I, I read the text and I go through it, and and I start feeling like I should just uh, blast through the story, but I don't want to do it because it's a good story. But I sort of don't want to, you know experience the story i just want to play the combat so it's a it's a mm. dilemma
1: okay I mean, that's if, a... If, you're, if you're not interested enough in the story to you know concentrate on it then just focus on the combat i mean yeah it's not some sort of an objective qualification of this game is story game i must enjoy story if it's also got <laughs> yeah, enjoyable yeah. tactical mechanics yeah yeah i know
0: it's, it's quite funny, because for me, at least the, the RPGs that I remember the most is for sure never Winter Nights, that it was at the same time as I was playing d the most, and that was the good translation of that game, and I played that quite a lot, plus uh, there was quite user-generated content available for the game, and at that mm-hmm. time, yeah. that was not that common like today, And yeah. uh, and also I was playing a bit more well before maybe Starcraft and you know, doing maps for Starcraft. And then you have an never winter night. There is this easy tool to make levels. And then you try to do those and gets into the game. And, uh, still on the story side, I would say that, uh, night of the old Republic, one of the best still,
1: it's very good. Yeah.
0: It's the mechanics and the story is very nice. And it seems that, uh, the real RPG, okay. That again, now the this goes to the next question that came to my mind because nowadays it's either this uh, game that continues the old style Baldur's Gate, Never Winter Night with this Pillar of Eternity, and now maybe this uh, original scene. Uh, how is it called? Uh, Divinity, Divinity, Divinity original yeah, scene. Yeah, they are also kind of in the same style, in dif- different but still. And then there is all the one like uh, Open World, The Witcher 3, The Witcher series in general, maybe being the most famous. Creating these two different RPG subgenre in a way. The more action RPG story heavy your numbers on a sheet don't really matter. And then the one that is the combat is much more focused on numbers really matter but there is also story and a lot of different choices of what you can speak about, and a lot of text, maybe. So what, the, that's not really a question, but what would you define and as an RPG? Where, where do you put the line, OK, this game is an RPG, this one is not?
2: Uh, well, there, we there's, a, there's a very cowardly way of, of uh, answering this, which is a bad, bad way, but I will answer it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you role-play a character, if you sort of have a character which has motives and so on, then, then it's a role-playing game. So for example, Rocket League is not a role-playing game because uh, okay, all the cars, that, 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 the, cars have, <laughs> the cars have character. But you know, well, yeah, like, like I said, this is a very stupid and cowardly way of answering
1: It is, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there are two different, basically, what we're dealing with is two different uh, two different meanings of the word RPG in the computer game space. And uh, one of those meanings is this game has character progression, experience, levels, all of that. And one of those meanings is derived from the uh, tabletop games, which is this game is about making a story where you make decisions uh, as some character and uh, the story those decisions affect the story and you know i, I i'm not yeah, an so authority both... on this i I, ca- yeah. I can't go and say that one of these is not a real rpg because you know that's the way language works uh, things have the meaning people
0: understand they to and them to have
2: yeah 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 so, so I, I guess what... it's actually sort of um to answer your question no i won't I won't answer your question because it's sort of, <laughs> sort of. Um, I mean, this is this is uh, like many many times there are gradients. There there's a number of possibilities. You can't just make it binary. So you can't. Oh say no! Of it.
0: course, that was the the whole thing. Like yeah yeah yeah. You yeah. See the, the thing going because we have very broad range nowadays, and you can just throw RPG there. And then when you actually say, okay, I really want to play an RPG, whatever the definition that. So it's. Your own definition, then you check what the game does. Because came mm-hmm. with levels. Almost all the shooters have those now. Uh, story. There is a lot of those with choices. So it's basically it's kind of losing a bit the the RPG genre doesn't really exist anymore, maybe.
2: Yeah, um, I like to imagine this sort of as a as a well you can journalize this to any anything that's sort of um, at the end, I mean, at the beginning, you have, you have let's say, three very distinct uh, genres or, or uh, dif- different things. And then as time progresses and, and people spend time either using those or doing more, more of those, uh, you start finding that these three uh, distinct things were actually just peaks. And you find that the peaks are actually connected uh, to each other and between those peaks, you find different kinds of things so yeah so let's say you have an action game you have a strategy game and then you have an a role playing game so then then you start fighting uh, action role playing games and strategy role playing games and strategy action strategy games or whatever i don't know if those exist but...
0: yeah well there is basically everything that is also action strategy game like the, not very many but at least uh, this uh... Yes, yeah, it was
2: really nice game. How is it I don't it? know. Actually, you might you might call uh, MOBAS as some somehow action strategy games because they were born from strategy games, but they are still closer to action. Yeah, in a way than uh, strategy, I, I guess. Yeah. But then again, they also have character progression, so maybe they are action strategy role playing games. Well, yeah, yeah or they or are called MOBAS. <laughs>
1: multiplayer online battle arenas, or whatever the acronym actually is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, so that they got their own genre now. Basically, genres are largely meaningless. They're yeah, just, nowadays. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, in general, it's it's just a convenient shorthand to explain to someone what you mean, and like any language, it's it evolves in use and uh, may, you know. T- meaning shift that's that's the way language works in general yeah yeah
0: that's true and how about uh making,
2: how about making a tabletop rpg game game about um i don't know identifying genres or or <laughs> i don't know <laughs> something <laughs> yeah good so, luck. Sounds, sounds pretty abstract and non-personal
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. um just okay. just a uh, I found out the game is called Hostile Water. It's uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it.
2: No, I haven't. At least for... Okay,
0: extremely old game where you control your units from a like strategic view, but then you can go and play in that unit and actually shoot stuff.
2: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just like, uh, think... There
0: are not very many of those, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a I... really good game. I played uh, a lot when I was younger, so it just came to my mind.
2: Yeah, now that you mention it, I I sort of remember some somehow this idea from some given game that I probably have played, but I really don't know. Yeah, uh, a long long time ago. Yeah.
0: So what I mean, about but... we can move or more on the balancing games that was supposed to be the topic, but we we go on with the interesting topics and then we forget the main one. As you. Yeah, we, well, that's the whole point. We have, <laughs> have circles.
1: Yeah,
0: it's sort of been in the ballpark. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I don't know how to. If, if this is not gonna be a question because it doesn't work like that. So, what about balancing games? Just uh, maybe Arturo, you can start and just speak about the topic, whatever you think about that. And then we can just whatever comes out. <laughs> continue <laughs> that. Like. Yeah, it's uh, it's much easier to just uh, say what you think. I don't know. Yeah, from there. I mean,
1: there's a, it's, well, first of all, it's a pretty huge topic. <laughs> oh, of course. Like, <laughs> all of the different different aspects of balancing stuff, like uh, are you balancing a an adversarial game where you have multiple people playing against each other and you need to balance the odds of both sides at the start? Or are you making uh, a cooperative game where... You have multiple people playing on the same side and you need to balance uh the the possible like uh uh, the possibilities for each player to contribute to the eventual victory or are you just making something where you play against play against the system and are balancing the system you know to not be too difficult and also not be too easy there's you know such a
0: huge amount but of difference. I, I guess you would go uh, start from that you have to balance something. Uh, like what, what What would you think about whatever you're balancing? Where do you start from and how do you approach the... Well, first, if if something needs to be
1: balanced, you basically know that there's a problem somewhere. Something doesn't work like, like you wanted to and then you need to you know identify the problem isolate the stuff that that might affect the problem and then start adjusting from there like if you if you've got person a who's got this much damage per second in a in a video game and person b who's got this much defense and it might there are a whole bunch of other things playing parts into it you just need to figure out which stats which numbers affect the real thing that's happening and then start adjusting those.
2: There's I've, I've heard uh well I've read a term um that's used in in at least at least they used it in the book which I borrowed to Arthur as well uh called rules of play they they have these I I mean it's not really uh game specific or, or related to only games but anyway feedback loops. So, you have positive feedback loops and negative feedback loops. Uh, positive means, well, if something happens, then it contributes to it happening again. So, as it starts happening, it starts happening with increasing uh, speed. So, it accelerates the, the sort of the probability of, of happening. Whereas negative feedback loops have the opposite effect. So, if it happens, it decreases the chance of it happening again. So, many times yeah. in, in games, you, you might have, for example, a very simple example is that um, you want to have a negative feedback loop for the player who is leading and a positive feedback loop for the players who are losing. Not necessarily as simple as this, but this is an example where uh, the winner doesn't... If, if you have a positive loop, feedback loop for getting points, then it's probably a bad game because the one who first gets to some level is probably going to win because they... The uh, increase the number of points they get sometimes exponentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. Getting into a leadership position increases the chance of you keeping it. Like, uh, for example, uh, in the case of I think Call of Duty uh, kills priests or whatever, which can at least in the modern warfare era they could. Getting a kill streak meant you could very easily get, get more kills to get more kill streaks. And that was a positive feedback loop that just helped people
0: who were already doing well. So the stronger exam- you are the more you stronger you get.
1: Yeah, yeah. A good example of the other type is uh Mario Kart, which is basically the the classic example of using feedback loops to make Make it at least seem like everyone always has a chance, which is you know great in a party game that's not supposed to be played uh, competitively.
2: yeah, so for example, if you have uh opening up this argument about the or kind of if you have weapons which only target the first one or basically anyone who is in front of you, then hmm. that means there are yeah. obviously uh more people targeting the first player than any other player
1: yeah. Um, Well, feedback loops can be, you know, they can be a design, an intended design in the way that the thing works, which is, I think, like, semantically, if you have feedback loops in games, they're mostly by design, and then you can have something that uh, works sort of like a feedback loop, but is just not part of your design, and is. Uh, is because of a complexity of systems working to create the same sort of effect without you having, having actually meant it, which can be very, very annoying to root out to figure out what exactly
0: is causing <laughs> this thing to happen. So what about uh, uh, in a... Oh, yeah, okay. But you continuing this.
2: Yeah, yeah. One, one more um, thing that... It... Uh, feedback loops, when you provide player with feedback loops, or a way to get to feedback feedback loop, it's actually extra, at least for me, it's uh, extremely rewarding, sort of. Um, this goes back to the strategical uh, role-playing games or whatever, uh, where you have sort of a bunch of abilities which have some synergies together. Um, one of the most rewarding things for me is trying to find uh, which... Uh, actions or which skills or talents work uh, sort of provide me with the best uh, bonuses. So if skill A affects skill B in a good way, skill B affects skill D, but then skill D has negative uh, effect on skill A and and so on. Already with these three or four different skills, you can have multiple different scenarios where, for example, the difference uh, or the order, difference in order that you press them or use them can can lead to either... A very good effect or a bad effect or you know something in between so trying to find the positive feedback loop in your skills is actually a very rewarding experience for for me
0: so Um, that is a balancing of uh, what you do as a player only not against other player basically something that you have to think about and make program the skills so that you can actually have this feedback inside that use of the skills
2: yeah or rather design the skills that way but yeah Sort of um, the, pro- providing the player with something to learn. So, yeah. in this case, learning how to find the most optimal way of using things.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah. something uh, if you have, let's say, a multiplayer shooter. How do you balance, or how would you do it? Like just, just opinion, uh, because of course, if you are doing well you are supposed to kind of feel that you're doing well and you want to be on top but if you're doing very badly maybe because you just started or whatever the reason maybe you want to those players to actually feel also that they are doing decent enough that they are not just left completely destroyed and they get one kill while the first one get 50. how do you would you balance this? so that everybody feels good
2: uh,
1: in in an adversarial competitive game i'm not sure it's possible to make sure everyone feels good yeah but
0: um, uh or to level it a little bit so that everybody has a chance to do well
1: yeah you could you know eliminate feedback loops for example uh if you you know uh have a system that goes on for a while that might have a couple of feedback loops to allow the uh, the leaders to feel like they're doing really well because they're leading and it has a meaningful impact on their chances running forward you could uh, introduce resets to that system that brings everyone back to the same level Mm -hmm. uh, every once in a while of course like matchmaking systems that rank players based on some sort of uh, algorithm and try to yeah, exactly. try, try to match people against other people with similar sorts of skills yeah, yeah. Uh, just,
2: just about to say this uh, same thing as well that you you if you have a high or large enough uh, player base then you really want to sort of uh decrease the variation of skill of, of players who play yeah, the same uh, game yeah play play yeah. Uh, against each other so I don't know. Group people by skill, ranked. Yeah, and, part and part also
0: out. maybe. Do you think it's what? W- or what would you feel about the fact that if someone is not doing well, uh, they get uh, some kind of feedback loop to make a bit easier for them to kill I mean, dip- other players or yeah. like?
1: You know, it it depends on again on what the purpose. Is what are you trying to achieve? If it's like a hardcore competitive game, then probably people should
0: be, you know, measured based yeah, on yeah. skill alone. No, no. Okay, in that case, but, yeah. If, if yeah. it's a Counter Strike kind of game, uh, everybody's exactly the same. But if a more yeah. like a Call of Duty or more general public game,
1: I mean, uh, I don't mind personally. I think it's a good way. To keep people you know feeling like they're in it but on the other hand uh, I get very competitive playing adversarial games and uh, anything that gives other people what I feel like is an unfair advantage Hmm. that's not due to their skill is going to annoy me very much
0: okay so it's it's, it's, in theory
1: theory it's nice but I wouldn't play the game
0: yeah okay so that's the that's kind of a, that is the discussion where, if you have to make the game, what do you do?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I mean, like I mentioned, for party games where it's supposed the the sort of the goal is that people have fun, like mm. all, all all of them have fun, everyone has fun, even the people who are watching it have fun. Um, there you might have have sort of like yeah, like in Mario Kart, you can have uh, positive feedback feedback loops, but. Anything that you play, sort of alone, an uh, adversarial at at game, it's probably going to be extremely annoying that uh, you, who have been playing it for such a long time and and you are very good at it, you fail because of something that the game did to make it easier for the for the bad players to kill yeah. you.
0: So. Yeah, that, that I totally agree. Of course, it's just uh, yeah. interesting to to hear and and on on the reverse
1: side of that. Um and the RPG mechanics in modern shooters. The reason I just cannot get into modern battle- Battlefield or Call of Duty is that you persistently give the people who play more better gear. Which Yes, I was just give, going to ask yeah, that. <laughs> which, which gives the people who have been playing more and are thus probably better at the game an, even bigger advantage against the people who are just starting, and that's just, that really annoys me. I Yeah.
0: I, I, that is the it... discussion that, with all this pay-to-win that is now waterfront 2 and this, and then there's this other problem that came out in the last year that I, I it sounds good to me that call it play-to-win. Yeah. That the more you play, the better you get, but you also, the game makes it easier for you. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think I think it was in Battlefield Three where if you tried to go fly a plane, you didn't you only had one single machine gun with no countermeasures, no missiles, no nothing. Yeah. Before you leveled up your plane skill or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. At, at the later stages when I, I got a new joystick and or or you know, uh, flight sets and everything, and I I went, oh, I I might play some Battlefield, try fly a plane, and then just could not do anything because people were instantly homing, missiling me from the ground with nothing I could do. Which is like, okay, yeah, cool, that's the yeah. sort of game this is. I'm not going to play <laughs> this anymore.
0: Yeah, you have to level up to be at the level of the other people that know how to play the game, and how do you do it if you cannot win against them, being shit here yeah. in the
2: start I, I think this uh, design choice to sort of make that make the choice that if you play more you get more experience and you get more stuff is probably something that they tested uh, and sort of they found out that um, because I, I think it's um, at least I hope so that they thought that it's, it's a bad thing to give uh, the players who have played more, more better stuff but then I hope they tested it that people actually like it more um, if they get more stuff, uh, rather than compared to the amount that they dislike, that people who who have played more are better than they are.
1: My my, my cynical side thinks it's because of the... They wanted to put in the experience level-up system to just sort of poke you in your feel-good areas in your brain when you play a little bit and get a ping, you're you're higher level now and then you you just sort of slowly drag that time uh, longer and longer so you can hook people into getting that ping and uh, don't have to actually worry about making a good game because you've got them hooked on making the experience number bigger.
0: So you uh, basically are keeping the people playing because they want to level up and feel that they are getting better, but they are probably as shitty as before. They just yeah, have eleven ninety now. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, or, or just the good feeling of getting a level yeah. up.
1: I mean, how many times have you, I don't know whether you play anything that has this system, but how many times have you played a game with a visible experience tracker and you've had it almost at the next level? Uh, Next cutoff point, and you've yeah. gone. Oh, I can play a little bit longer yeah. to get that. That's benefit, like play another game to get game the game. next ping. Yeah, yeah. And when you when you pace those out out so that you get the good feeling of the next level up, pretty often at the start, and then you just slowly drag that time further and further. You sort of make the people crave that next ping and make them play until they get that. And then you can just, you know, add various things to, you know, sweeten the deal of getting the level up. And um, it's easy in a shooter to say, hey, you've got a new gun now or whatever.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. true as
0: well. It's a, it's a big thing now in the new Battlefield. where We're playing Battlefield 1 and, well, we'd stop at some point because the game gets kind of... Only the level don't keep you engaged. And uh, there might be other things. Uh... Yeah, if you see people... I mean, we got playing quite a lot and we got to quite high level, but you don't get really better because the game is not made to make people really... It's not a competitive game. I'm sure you get actually... So you you can do get actually better, get better. Yeah. But as a, I mean, the game is not made that... Okay, I'm so much better than everybody else that we can win yeah. the game. So, mm. And so now we playing much more of uh, Rainbow Six Siege it's a smaller game so you can be the one that is really good and and win the game and they just did a few months ago really interesting things that they had before kind of a similar thing that you unlock new uh, things for your operators with the credit that you earn in game so I can buy new guns, I can buy uh, well, not new guns, but you can buy attachment for the guns. Yeah. So, the more you play, the better things. Well, not better, but the more things you have. Yeah, you have
1: they... a range of options.
0: Basically, yeah. So, it is not technically better, but might be better to have more choice. But now they made everything available for free to everybody. Better? Yeah, because they are probably going, they are really moving the game more to a Counter-Strike kind of situation where they want it to be a really competitive and esport material so they want to level the field and try to engage the people in the game with with the gameplay
1: yeah and I mean that's a that's probably a good game for that uh, because I was following it before it got released and I certainly felt like that might be a really cool new sort of competitive tactical game to play with friends.
0: Yeah, and became really nice. It came out that it was not that good, but they really improved it with the years and now it's 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 the new basically yeah. it's the, the other Counter Strike, I would say. You yeah. choose which yeah. one I prefer much more that there is much more variety. But... Well
1: I would I would I would argue that Counter Strike has a lot of variety. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it's uh, I don't, it's kind of a different way, like for me the, the variety is, in yeah. the sense that it's more like you have the operators with a lot of different things they can do, uh, so you never know who you're really going into, like against in, when you start the game, you can destroy walls, you can change the map, like in that sense, yeah, there is more like environmental variety, let's say. Yeah, it's it.
1: certainly mechanically more complex. Yeah. And you know, that's uh personally I prefer the I guess my experience of playing Rainbow Six Siege is mostly uh you know, if I play against someone who's good at the game, I just get domed from somewhere through a couple of tiny holes in a wall because they knew where yeah. to place them and it just feels like, well, how I how 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 could I have possibly known that was possible or likely to happen? So it, it feels really difficult for me to get into. Whereas but then you know. In, then I know, but there are, there are like hundreds of these points. Oh in yeah, yeah, of all course. The, all the levels. Whereas in Counter-Strike, I pretty much always know I lost because that guy was quicker at clicking my head than I was at clicking his. Then, then there's, of course, the entire strategical, tactical level in Counter-Strike, which is a lot more, you know complicated and nuanced but and but on the person-to-person level i in counter strike you always know why you lost and you know that in the you you can uh you know when you can lose and how you can lose at all times which i really like
0: yeah it's a more i would say controlled environment maybe
1: yeah it's a lot simpler like um mechanically there are far fewer there are far far fewer things for you to do and the layout of the map is a lot clearer you they really they've updated loads of the maps to make sure that for example the contrast between an enemy and the background is always good enough so you can always see the enemy there so they really I mean, I'm not saying it's better than. <laughs> so yeah, they, they are is, kind it's of just the, something
0: the, I, I prefer more. Two different approach to the same game because they are extremely similar. They are 5v5 yeah. shooters, t- tactical shooters that approach the game in a completely different way, like yeah. being very similar at the same time. It's a completely different approach than a Call of Duty or yeah, Battlefield. Which is so terrible, that is yeah. the, how you balance progression, is completely different.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would uh, just quickly say that uh, when Arthur mentioned that uh, Rainbow's Siege is uh, mechanically more more complex, it's well, it's a good thing for a game, but I would say that it's uh, probably better for a well, or, or rather, a simpler game. A game with simpler mechanics might be. Uh, more success, successful as an esports, uh, only because it's yeah. easier to uh, balance, which was the whole topic of this. And I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, there are a couple, I think there are a couple of different terms that apply. There's, uh, com- there's something being complex, and then there's something something being complicated. Being complicated is bad in, uh, yeah. you know, uh, in a in a sport that people are going to watch and. Uh, intuitively figure out what's going on because if it's complicated there's loads of things going on and nobody uh if you don't already know what's going on it's very difficult to figure out what's you know why something's happening but if it's comp, if it's complex it doesn't need to be complicated it can be you know it can be very very mechanically simple but with loads of nuance to the stuff that's happening like for example, in Counter-Strike, where it's... Or Rocket League. Or Rocket League, which <laughs> bo- both of which are very, very simple games on on the, you know, Rocket League more so, but both of which are pretty simple, and, you know, there are, there are cars that drive around and kick balls into goals, and there are dudes that run around and shoot each other in the heads, and that's basically all either of them can do. But then there's this super huge layer of tactical... Complexity and nuance that good players can you know
0: use yeah yeah well, I guess it's that's probably at least where I see the similarity between an eSport and a normal sport is that you have a game that has relatively simple rules, but you can do a lot of different things with those rules, yeah, yeah, because yeah. football or basketball or any other more famous sports they have. The basic of the game is really simple. Okay, they might have a lot of rules of you cannot do this, you cannot do that, but the basic is very just throw the ball there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. is basically what you need to do in Counter Strike. You need to put the bomb here, and to do that, you have to shoot the other people. In Rocket that's League, actually... you have to put the ball there and
2: yeah, that's, not that's, shoot, that's but avoid. A, that's actually a very nice way of, of sort of. Um, simplifying, simplifying a game. You can basically start by start playing basketball in sort of anywhere. When someone tells you, "Okay, your job is to put the ball there," you you get yeah. points if you put the ball there. And once you start playing, then you can say, "Oh well, yeah." By the way, don't don't hit your enemies in the head or you know whatever. Yeah. So you have this very very simple simple uh, goal. Sometimes but, yeah. it's true. Really...
1: And yeah, on the balancing side, it is. Very much easier to balance a simple simpler system than a very complicated one with loads of var- variables
0: and stuff you need to figure out what variables actually matter yeah, of but, course when all the players have the same uh starting point much easier than 10 players player having 10 different things yeah. that you can do
1: yeah but then there's also you know when you are balancing the, the, um, the way you test things and the way you have people test things is really important. Like, uh, this is one mission I made for Arma 3 uh, some years ago now, where my idea, my core idea for the mission was that it was going to be an adversarial game for like 16 plus players where you had two teams, one of which the experience was supposed to be you're in a dark forest hiding while the other teams uh, is sort of walking through that forest with flashlights and trying to find you. And I made a system around that with, I, you know, I locked the people inside that forest by saying that there's going to be a convoy that's going to drive through And the people who are hiding are there to just sort of stay in that forest until the convoy comes to destroy the convoy and then get out. And the people who are trying to find them are the guys trying to protect the convoy to sort of sweep that forest and make sure it's safe for the convoy to go through. And, you know, it was a hugely complicated thing with, you know, loads of variables that uh, paid into it because there was the amount of darkness you had, and there was the sort of weapons each team had at their disposal, and the balance of how many people are on which side, and the balance of time on how long the guys uh, are supposed to be hidden in the forest. And so uh, how that I, turns out. Yeah, yeah, I didn't actually manage to um, play in the first tests. And the feedback I got was that the people uh, on the ambushing side were just completely outnumbered and uh, didn't have a didn't stand a chance of actually getting getting through. And it, I was like, oh, that's that's weird. I I didn't think they would be that bad. And so I tweaked a bunch of values and made it a little darker so they could hide better. And I i made the convoy come faster so the other team would have a uh more time pressure in in searching and it just it just didn't didn't affect anything uh which by the way i made a couple of big mistakes there um which was adjusting several variables at once. Mm, at the same <laughs> time, yeah,
0: never do which, that, yeah.
1: <laughs> which is bad. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, making you know community levels for a bunch of people is a different environment than doing something professionally because you basically need to get it to a playable level quickly or it'll never be finished because nobody wants to play it again. Yeah, ha- yeah. With you having adjusted one variable a bit.
0: <laughs> and it's not much playing, more yeah. difficult.
2: And also yeah. because because you can't control the players, which means you might yeah. get uh, hugely different um, results from yeah, yeah even even with the exact same level, which means you would have to yeah. have at least I don't know at least ten tests to somehow um, somehow say yeah. that okay this is this is easier for these guys. Yeah,
1: making like amateur uh, workshop levels is basically. You have one test, and you need to change it after that if the, if it didn't work, because otherwise yeah. nobody is going to play it the second time. But so anyway, yeah. the, my changes didn't do anything for the player experience. And when I asked the guys a bit more about it, they went, they started using the term defenders for the people who are trying to do the ambush. And I went like, huh? Defe- what are you, def- you you guys are the ones attacking
0: <laughs>
1: and, uh, and uh, they oh. just uh, they figured uh, that the people who are you know um, ambushing are supposed to be the guys who no wait I, I misremembered uh, they started using the term attackers for the guys doing the ambush and defenders for the guys who are sweeping the forest, and uh, I figured eventually I figured out that the guys who are sweeping the forest, which was the larger team, uh, my testers or players at that point figured that the other team needed to wipe the other team out for them to succeed. So having having worse gear and uh, being you know numerically outnumbered felt that they they just they just felt like it's impossible to defeat the other team (laughs) and i was like oh but that's that's not how you're supposed to play this (laughs) which is like my testing failed because the questions i was asking them were bad and because i had communicated the intent of the mission poorly and then i just started adjusting variables based on basically shit data and had no effect whatsoever
2: yeah yeah this is actually a very very good example of of the difficulty of well uh two things um balancing a game and also um teaching the game or teaching the points of of all the, the whole thing yeah sadly the mission never got finished because people got tired
1: of testing it which is uh I st- I still feel like it could have been really cool to just sort of stealth your way around and hide in bushes while the other team sweeps their flashlights yeah. around the forest. Yeah,
0: the, the idea sounds extremely interesting. And then it's probably that it's, you have a certain idea of what it's going to be. And then you try it and then maybe plays yeah. totally different, place different, and people played different. And then you're really like, oh shit, then it's uh... it didn't come out as you were yeah. expecting.
1: Yeah, that's. I think the thing I like the most about making missions for Arma is because it's so, because it's, you can't really affect the way the level um, geometry is. That's, it's just a huge map, and you select, you basically go, okay, I'm going to place this mission in this part of the map. Hmm. And it always feels really phony to just go, okay, you cannot go outside this area, or you need to stay in this area or this is the route you need to take so the biggest challenge and i think the nicest thing about making missions for it is just you know setting up a situation where the rules of the situation and the way the situation is set up are the things that make the players play the way you intended that the optimal play is is the intended intended play, and there are they can't just you know bypass half of the map by just going off-road or something.
0: That's yeah. a, it's quite an interesting way of approaching also that's a uh, problem because uh, now other game you just make them up. Yeah, here you have to give a a reason to be somewhere. I yeah. think actually
2: uh, having mm-hmm. a completely uh, separate podcast about. Differences of level design in different kind of games would be like, really interesting. <laughs> no, it, it would, yeah, yeah, and it would be a very lengthy topic as well. Yeah, it's well, we, I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's
0: already more than a, an hour that we're here, so we can well easily we could continue this discussion the next another time. Like, uh, why not? I mean, this like podcast it, yeah. is not any really this the focused topic on or anything. So it's and uh, it's uh, going on that every Every episode, it's a completely different discussion. And sometimes we speak about uh, engineering things. Sometimes we speak about games. Next next week, actually, there is a, a friend of mine that he is an Android programmer. So we are going to end right. ending up speaking about programming and probably how to do a phone application in the best way. So oh, cool. Uh, why not? We can uh, maybe close this down here and sure. uh invite you again it was a very nice discussion and another day continue this seat from another side maybe nicole is here yes yeah. bring different uh point of view so thanks for joining thanks first. for having me. Yeah. and uh well i let's see i hope Hopefully, this is, uh, was interesting for some people that listen. Maybe we have go over our uh, record of 37 downloads. At you least know, it was interesting uh, for us. Oh, yeah. yeah this yeah, yeah. oh, These podcasts are made because we have good time. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If nobody listen, I don't care. It, it, it was good anyway.
2: Nice to talk bullshit.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, it was not even so much bullshit this time. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, but uh, at this point we can close this next week. Then programming and nerdy thing. Johanna is going to speak a lot more than me next time. Thanks everybody that got this far. Thanks Arturi to come and bye-bye.
2: Bye.